record of my life is panic in America. Off the Record podcast featuring Diku Desai and his sometimes guest and sometimes roommate, Ted Zing, former celebrity in South Korea. When it comes to Diku, or when Diku comes to something, there's always a frank discussion about something. The most frank individual I've ever known. So I'd like to pose a question. A vague question, but a good question nonetheless. What is... America. What does America stand for in the 21st century? We've come to think of America as perhaps the pinnacle or the former peak, if you'd like, of enlightenment values. The freedom of the of expression. That's too the easy. Preference of the individual over the group. These are some possible interpretations. But based off an earlier argument that we had in a taxi, what is an America and what does it mean to you? And what does it mean to be an American in the 21st century? I think being, being an American in the 21st century is a very, very, very different idea than the concept of being an American when it was founded. And yeah, be just the people that founded America versus the people that live in America now Oh, if those founding fathers could see us now, they would not <laughs> they would not be particularly pleased with the way things had turned out. Speaking like a true Trump supporter. I agree with you. Um mm-hmm. but on um sorry, I, I speak right now as a as a person who I consider myself to be an not not an inheritant, but a proponent of the Enlightenment tradition. I I really like uh, 18th century American philosophy, enlightenment values, freedom of speech is the only political cause that I have. Um, and certain other things about Americans or Americanism that come from that era I find very attractive and very romantic still. Despite all the, the contradictions that emerge, especially with regards to race, but I... Um, I still like the idea of America as expressed in the U.S. Constitution. I mean, a, a secular country, separation between church and state, uh, preference of the individual over the group, the absolute freedom of speech. I think these are great things. I think this is, if we were going to found a new country, uh, if we discovered some new land somewhere out there, and we were going to found a new country, I think that we could copy... 70, 75% of the U.S. Constitution and make it really great. What do you think? It's very liberal. Um, okay, so separation of church and state is an interesting point because so why is it that everyone who enters the U.S. courtroom has to swear in a Bible? There's a good point that we uh, we covered a little bit in the taxi on the ride home with a suspiciously terse and quiet taxi driver that has actually the swearing on a bible has actually been challenged by a lot of strictly literalist constitutionist american lawyers uh if you if you want to get a bit of a history lesson out of this but many people think that it's many hardcore libertarian americans think that it's immoral to make people swear on the bible hey, well i thought but, so that kind of, I mean, what you're talking about is just kind of the weird intersection of where you have an ostensibly or a stated secular court system intersecting with a really religious populace. So people swear on the Bible. Uh, I agree. I don't, I don't think people should swear on the Bible. It's stupid. Um, uh, and I'm not even going to defend that as a conservative. Normally I would say something like, well, it's a tradition or something like that, but I, I, I don't have a defense for that behavior. It, it just seems totally outdated and dumb. I think you're selling yourself short as a conservative. I don't think that uh, being a conservative is a bad thing and uh, saying something stupid like, well, it's tradition is something that a conservative generally hides behind. Generally, conservatives have a good reason to conserve the things they conserve. But uh, I think uh, 
that that being said, yeah, it is nonsense. It's clear nonsense, and the idea that yeah. uh, people are expected to and continue to swear on a Bible is just nonsense. It's yeah. people who are not like uh, famously not Christian swear on a Bible. I, I'll swear on a Bible and then then tell you the sky is green. Like it's yeah, nonsense. Very nonsense. I heard something interesting recently on the. Uh, well, Deku, the, according to Deku, the much-hated or the much-maligned Sam Harris podcast, but he talked about the, uh, the whole reason uh, for the, the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination. So it's theorized, at least by Sam Harris or like-minded people, that the whole reason that the Fifth Amendment exists is that people believe that once they were sworn in with their hand on the Bible, that they had a choice either between lying to God which meant eternal damnation in the hell, <laughs> or, or lying to the court. Which uh, meant eternal damnation in yeah. an American prison or something, and that that it was such a it was such a painful or horrible decision, an inhumane an inhumane <clears throat> position to put a person in, that they enshrined in the U.S. Constitution the right to not self-incriminate. What do you think about the idea of self-incrimination or the Fifth Amendment? This is what white people plead when they're talking about their taxes in front of a court. This is what black people plead when they're talking about drugs, but to much less effect. Okay, let's let, let, let's think, phrase it in a, in a less vague and less dumb way. Do you agree in a court of law that people have the right to shut the fuck up when they fear what they say might be used to incriminate them? Not just in court of law. What about in general? Well, it's an interesting question because it actually it brings to light one of the fundamental flaws of the U.S. court system, which is that everyone is sworn in on the Bible, and the assumption is that everybody is Christian. And the idea about self-incriminating, it, it's, uh, again, uh, based on the, the fundamental assumption that that you would never tell a lie because you're a Christian. And so the the idea that you don't have to tell a lie, you don't have to tell on yourself because you're a Christian. Right. It's very no, skewed and stupid. Exactly. That, that's the whole um, principle, is that the the idea that uh, if if you were a Christian or if you did believe such things, that uh, you, uh, you would either okay. have a choice between perjuring yourself and making yourself culpable to the justice of man or lying having sworn on the Bible, being an affront to God. If and I that, was a that, Christian, that would be an I would... an affront to God, and you'd be down to hell. If I was a Christian, I would fucking lie my ass off. That's, because... what, that's what Christians do anyway. Wow. Uh, that was a cheap joke. I should apologize both to secular comedians and Christians for that one. But most of all, you should apologize to your God, Sam Harris. <laughs> uh... Um, like I listened to his podcast this morning. I was entranced while reading, while eating ramen. Uh, so what I think uh, is is it's a fundamental, fundamentally flawed law based on a fundamentally flawed system. Uh, I, I if were I to have my magic courtroom, no, there would not be a Fifth Amendment. It's fucking nonsense. The idea of self-incriminate. You can't. Of course, you should self-incriminate if you're any sort of decent person. Uh, but the idea that you shouldn't self-incriminate based on this sort of weird courtroom where you don't say the truth because why? Why? Why don't you say the truth in the courtroom? Because it fucks you? Yeah, so it should it, fuck it, you. It requires truth, a lot of... The, the truth should fuck everybody. Um, I want to split the difference or, or maybe dig a little deeper. Um, so, for example, the Fifth Amendment right, whatever its original meaning is, I mean, generally it's taken to if someone asks you a question where an honest answer would incriminate you. You stab her? No. You have the right to not answer or you have the right to shut the fuck up. In the in the famous Dave Chappelle sked, Fifth, I plead the fifth, F-I-F. Do you agree with that? I mean, for example, so let's just assume for the, for the purpose of argument that you're, you're guilty. Do you have the right to stop talking or to shut up 
when you feel that whatever you say next can or will be used to incriminate you. Do you think that's fair? Or do you think it's okay for the courts or for the legal system to compel you to say something that can be used against you in a court of law? Well, I think the only sort of defense for the the existence of the Fifth Amendment is ignorance, uh, which is a very strong offense. I mean, I think there's probably more people that have been put on the stand and tricked into answering stupid questions by clever Jewish lawyers than have been... These are my people. He's mocking. No, no, I know. (laughs) ...than have been uh, mistakenly... mistakenly and quote-unquote incriminated themselves by just being saying the wrong answer to some wrong leading question that there wasn't an objection said because the defending Jew was just so entranced by what a great question great leading question the uh, and the prosecuting Jew Jew was just (laughs) just weaving his Jewish magic you know, it's what it's what happens. And it's basically the old, or my grandfather's old parable about two Jews fighting over a penny, which yields us a copper wire, which led to the invention of speaker wire, so we can thank Jews and their avarice for that. Two Jews walk into a bar. The judge says guilty. <laughs> not sure why I laughed. I laughed at that joke before I even comprehended the punchline. Um, I think when most people talk about the Fifth Amendment or its proponents or its abuses, um, I think a lot of people think about the Miranda Agreement, where sometimes people, a criminal, you know, a rapist, a mobster, or whatever, they can go into an interview room, they can confess to something, confess fully and freely to a crime, but it can be later found out that the search that led to the evidence that forced them to confess or if they weren't fully explained their rights or if there was some misprocedural step that it violated their Miranda rights um, and then that whatever they said in the interview room to the policeman whether it's on, on videotape or whether it's on tape recorder is completely irrelevant and then when they go to the trial, they have to go to square one. I think that's what a lot of people have against it. Still a really, really shitty defense of the Fifth Amendment lie. I just think it's nonsense. The idea that, oh, I just think uh, when you, I, I think, uh, basically, what, what, when we get down to brass tacks, what we're talking about is uh, guilty until proven innocent or innocent until proven guilty. These these are the, the two extremes that we're trying to so fight. So just to get really down to breast, do you believe in innocent until proven guilty? Yes. Okay. Um, I, ha- I had to ask because it's not a given in this day and age. And, and, and it's very subjective. It really is. It's my choice. It's not everyone's choice. It shouldn't be everyone's choice. And the idea that it sh- it's just sort of... I thought he might like it's fucking obvious. Oh yeah, of course. In a court of law, you're just innocent. And some and some courts know that, like, and some courts uh, they actually take care before they arrest people. Some court, <laughs> and some justice systems they actually care about who they arrest. You right. know? They don't okay. just arrest somebody because they're black. That's that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Uh, if perhaps if 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 police were had paid more due diligence about who they arrest then the presumptions of innocence wouldn't have to be such a big deal you are hereby yeah yeah you're black therefore you're suspected in uh, about uh 17,000 murders that we haven't solved yet curiously enough or or a total side note that's maybe irrelevant by design but did you know that if you are a locksmith in Canada, I don't know about the law in the United States, but in, in most parts of Canada, if you are a locksmith and you get convicted of burglary or break and enter, you are charged with all of the uns- you are automatically charged with all of the unsolved break and enters within a, a certain kilometer radius of where you live. That's stupid. <laughs> it, it's, it's very stupid. And I actually don't even have a good source for that. I, it's only my um, my middle school shop teacher who told me that when he was explaining how 
a certain machine that he had in his inventory made keys. Maybe he was explaining why he was still in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right before, he, right, right, right before, and we're getting this, right before he talked about uh, rape charges and the presumption of innocence over guilt. <laughs> Mr. Faulkner, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But then again, Mr. Faulkner, if you're listening, I'm not really sorry. Mr. Faulkner, if you're listening, chin up, man. You only got like three, four, five years left of your charge. <laughs> uh that all you had no, the, fifth, I, the fifth I think the fifth was the best argument um, no but I'd, I'd like to talk about the, the fifth amendment in our ongoing series of values discussions that we seem to be having this traditional discussion of values um, no it's, but it's something I like I, not just talking about from a, you know a fucking jerk off intellectual perspective I think it's something important to talk about it's the only thing that matters really well, but it's not just, um, I think you alluded to this earlier. I mean, you just talked about it's, it's very stupid to just assume that our values are such. And that yet, because we're American or because we're Canadian or wherever we happen to live, that this is what our values are and that this is what we need to protect. So it's important, I think, to discuss these things constantly. I feel like this is one of the things that actually came out uh, early in the world. Early or late, depending on how intelligent you are. The first episode that uh, there's sort of uh, that that values are set or that our values are the same. I think that was probably the biggest thing, the biggest aha takeaway moment from the first episode was that you sort of asked about values and then sort of made assumptions and presumptions based on your values. And you're like, well, aren't they? And the I think the answer was no, largely no. So uh, the 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 assumption was that social justice, as it exists exists in the United States now, is okay slash normal. And the answer was no. And again, the the assumption is that the Fifth Amendment, as it exists in the United States, is okay slash normal. And the answer is yes, kinda. I, I no, but yes. Uh, well, I mean, we should qualify ourselves. Neither of us are legal experts. Why? Well, why would we have to qualify that? Is anybody going to follow our legal advice? <laughs> <laughs> Following my legal advice? Uh, this is the kind of thing you can be sued for in the United States. We, well, could, we could have an extended discussion on the Fifth Amendment rights. Someone could fucking make a plea bargain and then sue us based off of what we talk. If we don't tell everyone that we're not legal experts. You're welcome to my net worth. Uh, <laughs> In the meantime, can I stay at your house? <laughs> You're welcome to my net worth, too. I mean, I call myself a conservative, but I'm really a failure as a conservative. I mean, I live on a fucking government-subsidized housing estate in a really poor neighborhood, and most nights of the week, I go to my girlfriend's house and eat her vegetables. Uh, I make my living largely off of writing, but... Uh, I depend to at least a certain extent off of like government grants. Um, so I'm basically everything I hated when I was like 18 years old. So if you've listened all the way to episode three or four, how dare you? You would know that this r- dispute has been more or less resolved, and that I ended up after editing out some of what I thought were the uh, less savory elements of that podcast. The things that were going to be the most detrimental to my my life back home in white liberal society. We ended up airing it almost about 90% as it was. But the remaining 10% being the most lugubrious and racist shit that I was afraid of. I guess the question that I can pose to you, and maybe we can make this episode 5. Uh, do you think of yourself as an intelligent guy? Increasingly less and less. Okay. Yes. Now we're getting somewhere. Uh, well, as I get older, I get aware of the the limitations of my own knowledge. It's or, frequently upsetting. Uh, one of the things that I find so upsetting about listening to the Sam Harris podcast 
It's not only when I'm listening to him, but also sometimes when I listen to some of the questions that he reads from people. It's just, you know, like, it's not, it's not a, oh, why didn't I think of that? It's a, oh, fucking, I couldn't have thought of that because I'm not even that fucking smart. Really? Occasionally, yes. I mean, there's, uh, this is kind of like when I went to McGill, I kind of like fucking, I wound up in a place that was, when I went to McGill and I studied English literature, I kind of wound up in a place that I felt was kind of like way, way out of my intellectual league. Like I was like a fucking, you know, MBA bench warmer. I had kind of got to the top level, but I wasn't Steve Nash. I was the guy that subs in for Steve Nash and plays three minutes a game, you know, while he's drinking vitamin water on that, you know, little bench on the bike device. You see what I mean? I mean, I can't even no. make a good, uh, a fucking good sports metaphor, even though sports is what I'm all about. I'm just like, I'm a sham as an intellectual and a sham as a male cheerleader, and I'm faking my way through my entire adult life. I think that's true. I think that's uh, beautiful. That's uh, the first true beautiful thing that you've said. Uh, because, Jesus Christ, if you're the guy who has to sub in for Steve Nash three minutes a game, you better make every single fucking shot you throw out. I think it's about a shot. I, I just think it's about... You better play every getting the good ball friend. from half court from that inbound like up. You know, I, I'm fucking old, so like I'm not not old. Well, I don't know. Maybe by black people's standards, I'm old. But like I, you know, I fucking you know like when I think of Steve Nash and basketball, I still think of like like Amare Stoudemire. Like that. That's like when I still cared about NBA. If I can get that ball over half court, get it to the black guy on the right wing and then go set one screen and then <laughs> you know then watch what happens and then get back on defense then I got one more possession where I dribble up over half court and pass again and then I'm back off the bench there's TV timeout and then Steve's back in that's me but you gotta do that like nobody's ever done that and I was I'm still happy to be at the level I mean I'm still after working a variety of shit corporate jobs, I mean, I'm still, even though what I do in show business is almost completely negligible, I'm still very happy to be working in show business. I enjoy it so much more than I did when I was just doing whatever I did at an at a high school or doing whatever I did at a company. Despite the insecurity I get from understanding my limitations, I still feel that acknowledging or understanding your limitations is not just the first step to becoming a more intelligent or a better person, but it's also the definition of an educated person. If you understand what you don't know, then in a sense you delineate what you do know. There's a very famous white man that said, it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It ain't what you don't know, it's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Here's a good Einstein quote. Common sense is the sum of the prejudices that accumulate by the time you are 18 years of age. I don't know if this needs to be in its own episode, um, but grandfather racist is such a... That was a great term that came up. This term that, uh, no, but I would like to differentiate between grandmother racist and grandfather racist. <laughs> I really would. Um, because... The reason I like to differentiate is because my, my grandfather, I don't know if this is just, I don't know if I, I'm being sexist in saying this, but I feel that my grandfather's brand of racism was hateful. harmful and hateful. Even if just a little. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use those adjectives to describe either of my grandfather. But my grandmother's racism was very cute and and almost charming in a way and i don't maybe that's sexist in itself maybe you know maybe i i am supporting a a horrible power structure by by laughing and giggling at my grandmother's racism while being able to disparage my grandfather's racism but it 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 just was um i mean the example that i used uh when we were in the bar earlier when, 
I was talking to Diku, uh, something that I could easily imagine, in fact, something that I, I almost, I could swear to God, provided I had my full Fifth Amendment rights present, that I heard my grandmother say at one point, you know, like, to an Asian person, is like, which one are you? Like, that, that kind of, um, that kind of, uh, not only just condescension and insensitivity, but... I mean, you see where, I, where I'm going for this. No, you gotta sell it to these people, man. Tell them, show them. So if I say, which one are you? Why do I have to explain this? I mean, surely if I was talking to anybody other than a white person, they would fucking understand why that's, like, offensive and silly. No, but, I mean, episode one ended in fucking... You couldn't have chosen a better ending. It's because I'm a fucking smart guy. Yeah. Right. You're a smart guy in the natural sense of the term. Not in the white person sense of the term, smart guy. Which means a smart guy for one of them. Or just, you know, like for me, or where it's like complicated, where the smartness is like a factor of how inadequate you feel about your own smartness or the smartness of other people. I, I gotta tell you what, um, I was hoping that on one of these podcasts, or that Genuine, uh, generally, I kind of view this as your podcast, as the DQD Say Off the Record podcast, but I was hoping that one of these days you would agree or condescend to appear on my podcast where we could play a bunch of white people hand-holding word games and... <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You should have seen the way that Dika's mouth stretched when I said this. Uh, I I like word games, and I like. Uh, you also phrased it very strangely. Yeah, it's a fair credit. Yeah, me. yeah. I mean, everything that I just said now could have also been fucking phrased in the way like like I just like cussed Dika and asked him to come into a room full of liberal arts students and and have gay sex. S- or like Oberlin college students and explain yeah. to them in their terms what was wrong, <laughs> what was wrong with America <laughs> yeah we, um, uh, it, so I was hoping that one of these days I could have Dico on my podcast and we could play a bunch of cabalistic word games and and talk about things I would be fully willing to I, I don't know I might be fouled out within the first round I don't know no, that's the great thing about white people games, is there's no way to lose. That's well, that's what being white is all about. Yeah, there's no way to win. The games that black white. people play, yeah, you can lose. And you can be better than other people. But, the, you know, the way that fucking liberal arts majors play, yeah, no way. Well, here's to my 17th place ribbon. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, one of the games that I was hoping to play with you... One of these days, or one of the things that exercises that I was hoping to do. I mean, for example, one of the things that I really love, or one of the things that I think is very useful and very interesting, is I really like to. I really like thought experiments with hypotheticals. I'm not sure if you if you follow me to the full extent of this, but um, so one of the things that I wanted to do on my podcast was to just can I cut you off, dude? Cut me off. Yeah. This is your podcast, so you can come in. I'm not saying that I'm not uh, able to go to that extreme, or I'm not like a sort of... Basically, what you were trying to get to is... I'm not sure if you can follow me out to this sort of weird mental extreme. Uh, not sure that you can go to this place. I don't know that I can't. Like, I, I live this. Uh, thought games, the idea of... Uh, wordplay or like free association yeah i'm not sure you want to follow me out to this weird place where things where where people say things that they they may not necessarily be uh you can't rope it back in within the realm of uh uh well i what i meant was that that sort of realm of uh, jerk offiness, where you try and justify what what you meant by what you said. You said what you said. Yeah. And I think uh, people that are really, just really that really understand what they're saying when they say it, 
I mean, there's, let's do it, man. This is this is my realm. This is where I exist. This is this is this this, this is this is the essence. So isn't that kind of the point of free association? Right. It's just to kind of throw out ideas, except for whether or not they're attached to your core values or or, or not. Or I mean, but I mean, come on, like to say that. You can do you can true truly free association and that's not somehow associated with your core values. I mean that's that's what free association no. is. That that's I the, wouldn't yeah. that's the deter I mean free association. I wouldn't extend that too far. I mean, for example, if if we were like free associating and I was like I was like, let's free associate. And you fucking played some, you know, summer camp word game and I was like, black people and we were free associating, and the first thing you came up with was noose. I would probably have good reason to doubt your equitable treatment of black people, and that's putting in the most white terms of possible. I mean, like, I would be scared of you if you said noose and you fucking came up. Well, no, that was actually pretty close. I was just thinking behind a truck. Behind a truck. driving up to jasper i don't okay here's a good story i um so diku desai is my best friend in japan and i was we were driving home in a taxi and we were drunk and i was just talking about i was getting a, a bit emotional and i was just thinking i mean i really want to you know this guy has been such a good guy to me he fucking let me stay in his house He's done so much good shit for me in my life. I was like, you know, you know, next summer, if you got a chance, I would really like if you came home, you know, to my hometown and we would drive up to Jasper. Drive up to Jasper was the phrase that I used. So Jasper is a small town in Alberta on the British Columbia border. And on the way to Jasper, it's a five-hour drive from Calgary to Jasper, which is what I was describing. And in between, you go through a field of glaciers that has been described by whoever who sees it, whether secular or atheist or religious people, as purely sublime. I mean, sublime in every sense of the word. I mean, you can really see the magnitude, the scale that intimidates the human presence, the human mind. That makes you ponder your existence, regardless of what your beliefs are. And I really wanted to show this to my my friend, my best friend. I wanted to show this to him. I wanted to because this is what I feel that's that's good about my hometown in the in the world. I really want to show to him. Uh, I mean, the things that, you know, when I was a young man, the things that made me really think about my values, my, what I think about the, the world, I want to show him something that that I could recommend. That, fuck, I'm rambling here. <laughs> no, I mean, what you... What you don't understand is... What you don't understand... What you don't understand... What you don't understand is, is how much this place means to me. I mean, I'm imagining this place. I'm imagining this place. I'm imagining every day when when we come together, whether we watch Fraser or or whether we watch fucking Brooklyn Nine Nine, and we're just hanging out. And I just like, I just wanted to fucking take you to some place where I feel complete, where I feel whole, where I feel that this life is worth living. Okay, and show you something that I think is going to make you happy, that's going to bring us together as human beings. And that's why I said, I want to drive you up to Jasper. And when I said, I want to drive you up to Jasper, what was the first thing that came to your mind? When I said, I want to drive you up to Jasper. Well, the first thing I thought of was uh, inappropriate. Uh, I I thought of something that would sort of... Well, uh... Inappropriate because I started laughing the first as soon as you said it. I thought I, I, I thought of it and started laughing because it was funny to me. He laughed at me like a playground bully laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was cruel. That that can be t- determined later. <laughs> uh, and I think it's actually fairly easily explained. That the reason I laughed at him the first time uh, was because. Uh, 
it was funny to me, and then I realized it shouldn't be funny to me because, uh, I don't know, 2010, 20, 2009, 2008, somewhere like four, five, six years ago, there was a not quite long enough. Oh, it was... That's what the disturbing thing about the story was. <laughs> is it, it, this isn't like the 1960s or 30s or 1870s. In which this happened all the time. Uh, <laughs> and probably still continues to happen, but it doesn't make national news. Uh, in 2007, 8, 10, somewhere around there, 5, 7, 10 years ago, r- roughly our, our time, uh, there was a man who was a, was a black man who was uh, hung by his neck and then dragged behind a truck until he was dead in Jasper, Texas. <laughs> So the idea of someone driving you up to Jasper is a fucking yeah, horrendous, uh, despicable joke of a thing. And so it was funny to me because, you know, things, things are funny to me. And then uh, the, it quickly became much more funny to me that he said that without knowing it. And he would never know because he's Canadian. And how would anyone from Canada ever hear about this Horrible racist uh, murder that happened four, five, seven, ten years ago. Not Why just would... said, not just said that, and wouldn't know. But also the fucking further irony of that. I was like trying to reach out to you in like a human way. I really wanted you to. I, this is like this is what I thought was going to bring us together. Like you know, the different races, different backgrounds. <laughs> I want to drive you up to Jasper. <laughs> My ethnic friend. So <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good moment. <laughs> Breaks my heart. Jasper is still the most romantic place that I know. I want to propose to my girlfriend in Jasper, and it, as far as Diku knows, or when I say this this kind of thing to him, okay, hopefully I'm I can... celebrating a genocide. Hopefully I can drive you both to your honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I want. I I don't think... I don't know that it's possible, but I mean, like, what's it? It's not possible. I don't think it's possible. If you marry a Korean chick or a Japanese chick or another, like, Indian American chick, I don't think it's possible. What happens if you marry a white chick and you have super fucking progressive PC white kids? It's not possible. You don't think? If I marry the fucking daughter of, you know, Rupert Ann Murdoch. Ann Coulter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we're not talking about Ann Coulter. Who gives a fuck about that? I mean, we're talking that, about, like... That's a really antiquated reference at this point. But, yeah. It's got to be fucking, like, she's got to have money, like, to the ceiling. To where, like, if she puts I'm, all her money in a room, I can't not, breathe and I die money. I'm not... I'm not as interested in the possibility of it. I'm, I'm interested in the hypothetical of what happens if it couldn't be possible. What, what happens if you had I don't know if if you just had kids, interracial kids or not interracial? What happens if you had kids that just had the fucking polar opposite views as you about the world? Like what happens if you were just you know you were fucking listening to Al Green? And your kids were just like, Daddy, I think I think that personal responsibility is... I don't even have a joke here. Man. Well, I mean, basically, like, like you're, what you're saying to me sounds to me... Like, what you're saying to me literally sounds to me like, what if you had a kid that was half lion? What the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> like, that's not even... Within the... Like, what? <laughs> How the fuck could that even like even begin to happen? You know, like, like yeah, maybe Rupert Murdoch's daughter or like fucking uh, what's Char- Prince Charles has a daughter and she's hot and seventeen or something. Like I don't know, some sort of like uh, it would have to be royalty. It have to, at this point it would have to be royalty for me to marry a white person. It would have to be royalty. Like, it would have to be some sort of... Some countries, like, Jesus, royalty. 
because those are about the only white people that I see that are sort of vaguely above reproach, and everybody else should just be reproached. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for agreeing with me. I feel that nobody is above reproach. I feel that everyone should have their use questioned. Yeah, or their existence questioned. Until they've done something otherwise, you know? I like existing. No, I'm sure... Uh, I don't I don't discredit you for, for questioning the existence of other people, even based off the beliefs they espouse. It's true. Why would you want to deal with fucking... There's so much shit going on. I'm really glad we don't function on a live broadcast nailed format. It. Nailed it. Why? 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 I thought we nailed it. Because, <laughs> well, this is kind of one of the fucking war games that I wanted to play. I don't even know where I'm fucking playing with this. Um, I really like the concept of refinement. So, I, for example... Like iterative refinement? Like you sort of work at it and make it better and bang it out? Yes, in essence. But so translated in the form, translated into the context of drunk podcast. I kind of feel that ideas, whether they are like arise spontaneously, I don't feel that they have a lot to do with the the person or the thinker. And that so they arise, and then you think about them, and then you accept them or reject them, and then you refine them. And I really value the finish process. Okay. So, so in the um, so I I really like the idea of of uh, of refinement and a, a long slow process. Whereas to re- really is back. I don't know just about not just about your values or or just about uh, you know we we're talking about the African American community earlier. I kind of feel that um, that is a really white thing. If I had to take a stretch, I would say that you're. You're, you you think that I can make something great and you can refine it into something greater. That's a stretch, but it's the logical conclusion of what I'm talking about. That, that's kind of the next thing that I was... Uh, I, actually, I actually wanted to talk about this on the next, ca- next podcast, but that's really what I'm kind of going for. Not, not in terms of justification, but I'm just trying to talk about what I think what I think black people value and what white people value. Like a very salient point oh, that they right. get from. The you know what I mean? product versus the idea of like so, just creating something out of nothing. And- whereas I, I really think that black people value originality. Th- that seems to be one of the things that they, they're really hard on. The creation whereas, of something from nothing. Like, right. Yeah, that, that getting from 0 to 80%. Whereas and white I, people value the 80 to 100 yeah, or or just I mean the idea that or the creation there's, of one hundred. Really, there's and it a really doesn't matter where it came from. It yeah, just, it got to one hundred. There's a really good idea. Okay, so I mean we talk about I mean uh, so stealing. White people value stealing. Black people value creating. <laughs> but uh, in defense of my race, or if I had to take the stereotypical position on it, whether or not. The adoption of an idea and the refinement of it, if you want to call it refinement, it's a contentious term, is is a good thing. So if you want to think, you know, something like the Middle Years Blues albums of the Rolling Stones, right? Many really, and I've, I've heard this from even really moderate black people that don't even really care about musical appropriation, but I mean, like, it's like, you know, like that one, you mentioned that, and they're like, Mick Jagger, and they're like, fuck that nigger. I don't know why they use that word with regards to Mick Jagger, but, but, um, uh, some black people feel very strongly about that whole idea about, like, musical appropriation. Whereas, um, for me, for me, and this is really where it becomes a question of values, is that, a lot of people feel that when the Rolling Stones kind of took, you know, went from white music to black music, when they kind of fucking took a, you know, a British rock band and then kind of went to America and met some people and listened to some albums and then took a blues band and made a bunch of blues music that was clearly an imitation of American black style. 
that it wasn't a compliment and it wasn't, uh, you know, an extension or an improvement on a style, that it was pure theft. And for me, I think that I think that it was an improvement on a style that uh, that that people were they were taking new ideas and they were adding their own take to it and they were doing something interesting and original. I think you're both wrong. I think that's it's not they didn't add anything. They stole, but they also stole in a way that it was just the only thing they could possibly do. As an artist, you don't have a I think as an artist, you don't have a choice what comes out. You, you just sort of like, you take in and you take in and you see things and you do things and then you, what comes out, yeah, you just vomit out. As an artist, they just vomited out, rip off blues because that's like they, they saw it and they, that's who they were. So they can't choose. They didn't manufacture theft. They didn't steal. They didn't like appropriate and conjecture and rip off. They just took in something that was beautiful that they thought was beautiful and they vomited out something else that was largely the same so it's not like it wasn't theft they didn't like take the like write down every chord that every blues musician wrote and then like replicate those chords they just took in what they took in they came to a place and they saw something beautiful and then they vomited out something vaguely the same it's what artists do some artists are able to vomit further, but it's just vomit. <laughs> I'm going to cut the bullshit and go to the real question. Do white people ever do anything right? Yes. Um, it's a pretty salient example. <laughs> <laughs> salient alert. We use the word salient. Oh, shit. I'm pretty sure we use the word salient over 20 times in our first recording. They were good producers. Rick Rubin? Rick Rubin. Well, yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I think basically we have two... What it comes down to is we have two worlds. There was sort of the pre-70s, 80s world where it was understood that white people ruled everything and therefore it mattered more the idea that a white person could come up with something creative and original that wasn't just ripping shit off or wasn't just sort of derivative. I mean, yeah. just look at white rock pre-Chuck Berry and post-Chuck Berry or like, you know, like... <laughs> what rock? There's no rock. Right, There's right. No exactly, rock yeah. Um, Although I'm sure if you ask I feel some like, fucking asshole somewhere, there's some artist that... Chuck Berry ripped off or some fucking bullshit that I don't know about. Well, I mean, I feel, I feel like that's exactly that 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 speaks more to the heart of the question, which is what has white people done anything good? And I'm trying to find something. Here. I'm thinking of something. Well, if I had to answer the question, and I don't think I'm even being super charitable to white people, but I really think that white people's real contributions to the world or their best contributions to the world exist in the time frame of the 18th century enlightenment values. I honestly think that that is, that, you know... Yeah, but can you imagine if there was a black Mozart? I'm not talking about art. I'm not talking about music. I mean, like, what I'm... If I had to be proud of anything, not that it's it's not acceptable to be proud of, of white cultural achievements, but if I if I had to be proud of something... I'm really proud. I'm actually, honestly, really proud of French Revolution and American Revolution uh, writing and the the kind of I mean the the Enlightenment ideas about the equality of man and the supremacy of the individual over the mob and the the legal and the philosophical writings is left behind in that tradition. I think that I, I am really proud of that. And that it's given us a foundation to talk about the rights. Like Frederick Douglass's Diary of a Slave? It's a 19th century writing. Yeah, well, I think one of the issues that, that plagued most black writers it's in not the like, 18th century was that they were beaten within an inch of their lives if they ever tried to write but it's not like it's not like I'm not 
I can't I can't rightfully be proud in any in any uh what sort of I can't rightfully be proud in any um collectivist sense or in any identity politics sense of, of Frederick Douglass's writings, but I actually do think that Frederick Douglass is a true American in the sense that he inherited the tradition of the Enlightenment writers of the American Revolution. I, I feel that were it not for those ideas that we wouldn't have people like Frederick Douglass, that we wouldn't have people like to go a century further, we wouldn't have people like Malcolm X. Well, clearly he read his. Uh, he, he must have read his contemporaries and his predecessors. No, but I, I kind of feel that even there though, must be a even strong though, relation as to how he created his work, right? But even though the Enlightenment writers were only thinking about white men, sorry to add a add a twenty first century bent to it, even though they were only thinking about white straight men when they wrote those things, that. The values that they espoused in those documents are universal and sensical enough that they can be applied, even retroactively, they can be applied to people of color, that they can be applied to people of different sexual orientations, that they make sense because they're written to to try and be universal and non-discriminatory. So that, in a sense, that even though the founding fathers or even though this, the 18th century philosophers probably weren't trying to be, you know, they weren't trying to extend universal suffrage to black men and white women or gay people, that they set up the foundation for those things to happen because of the, the soundness of their ideas. It's huge, huge stretch. Well, I may be stretching or it is like, but I think it's a good stretch and not a bad stretch. No, I think it's a huge stretch because it gives white people all sorts of undue credit. I'm trying to take credit for white people. Although I started this conversation by saying if I had to be proud of white people for one thing, I think it would be enlightenment rate. But ultimately, I, I think it's a bad thing to be proud of the accomplishments of your race. I agree with that. Or the non-accomplishments of your race. I mean, one of the, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested about the, the whole Black Lives Matter movement going on in the United States. I think it's, it's great that these issues are coming to a head finally, and that people are finally having these hard conversations. But um, on the flip side, I, I'm really, frankly, I'm mildly disgusted when I hear a young black man talking about his blackness as though it's the the most interesting thing about him. I sort of agree. I, I really think if you're a young black man or a woman or whatever ethnicity that you identify with, that there's probably more interesting values questions that you could ask. 